it seems like art and pop culture can't get enough of portraying God in movies and TV. But what do our portrayals of God in movies and TV say about us? We discuss this and more on this episode of The Overthinkers with special returning guest Nathan Scher. Hello, thinking people's thinking people. Welcome to The Overthinkers, home for the creative intellectual and the only cult that wants you to think more, not less. I am your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, film critic, church-going extraordinaire, except not this much recently. And with me, as always, is my, um, oh, what was I was going to say, gratuitously godly co-host. Nathan Clarkson, actor, author, filmmaker, and, ooh, I haven't, I haven't thought of a, an apt um, uh, uh, adjective this week. Um, man of God. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. We'll we'll let the audience decide. But yes, yes. Well, I think that that what qualifies. And of course, with us again, we have a very special returning guest. He is the senior fellow of the Overthinkers of of uh, of philosophy and nerddom, and he is our senior tech maestro. I like wizard. Wizard? Tech yeah. wizard. Okay, we'll keep tech wizard then. Well, uh, we'll, we'll, you know, yes, we'll tech wizard. Tech the, wizard is. the Are you silent fun? third musketeer. <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> he is the nifty and notorious Nathan Share. Hi, Nathan. Hello, all you happy people. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> we, we just had the discussion on our group that intelligent people are more likely to be uh, depressed, which is actually a whole other episode. That's that that sounds really convenient. Yeah, for but <laughs> it's a good chance that many people who are listening right now are not happy. But after they listen to this, they'd be, be more happy. You know what? I'm happy. Oh, or at least they'll just forget it for like a hot second. Yeah, they'll be distracted yeah. from their unhappiness by mm. thinking about things that are really important, like nice. Thank you very much. God in pop culture. Oh, I thought we were talking about ice cream. Oh, well. No, no. Uh, after that. <laughs> another episode. Another episode. Oh, Philosophy okay. of ice cream. Okay, cool. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I'm furiously tries to type out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, talking subject of ice cream. How to overthink ice cream. I'm sure Google we'll, has we'll it We'll figure it out. Yes. We'll figure it out. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, well, pop culture, art, art that depicts God has probably been around almost as long as, well, actually probably around as long as there's been art at all. You have the first theater that we have record of uh, has was originally religious ceremonies. Greek theater was originally religious ceremonies. The first uh, statues that we have, the first uh, first sculptures we have were fertility gods. And then, of course, you get into the Christian era. You have the or revival of theater being the passion, the uh, mystery plays. Excuse me. I call them passion plays and I got very people very upset with me. <laughs> um, and then you have, of course, in the Renaissance, you have Sistine Chapel with a talk showing the glorious uh, picture of God and creation of man. And of course, you get into modern era, where it is more secular, less religious. You still have a great deal of art that depicts God. Although that, as our society changes, the depictions of God change. We thought it would be really interesting to discuss how the modern depictions of God, what are interesting about them, what it says about us, the way they're portrayed, and also what it can tell us about the world and maybe even God, that way we talk about God today in our art and pop culture. So Nathan's, whoever Nathan <laughs> wants to go first, what... Is do you think is most interesting about the way you see God portrayed 
in pop culture today or art in general, if you want to go beyond that to more obscure art, and you think it's what's interesting about it to you and what are some examples that you can give about that? Hmm. Don't everybody talk at once. <laughs> well, I'll jump in while Nathan while Nathan strokes his beard and thinks. Mm, much thinks bigger, wisely. big, much, uh, much bigger beard, much uh, longer thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I was actually, um, before we started talking to other Nathan about this, and, and you touched on this a little bit in your opening, but what we think about God mm. is the most important thing about us is something that um, Tozer said. Ooh, and nice. I think that to a degree that is, um, true, but I also think what is also true is what we think about what God thinks about us is mm. one of the most important things um, we can uh, we can ponder and understand. And I think when you see the depictions of God in pop culture, you see you know whether it's uh, we can look all the way back in, in right. history and see um, that people have been describing God in their art forever, like you mentioned in, in statues and literature. Look at all the the Greek. Um, myth yep. and the Norse myth, they're all about God. And you come to Christianity and you have the, the art that sprang from that with the paintings and songs. And you mentioned all of this. And now we're in this modern era, which is very secular. We've removed God um, in large part from the um, from culture on a whole, from the center of mm -hmm. culture. But we still see what's interesting to me is just grappling with who God is and what God thinks about right. us in our media, even in secular media. Mm -hmm. You know, you have Monty Python um, yes. exploring this. You have even shows recently, like uh, I grew up with um, Joan of Arcadia, yes. uh, which is about a, a young girl who starts encountering God in different places and God would appear to her, um, always a different person. And um, even the past few years, we've had books like The Shack and Dinner with a Perfect Stranger yeah. that are depicting God. And in secular culture, you have shows like... Um, God friended me, which is a, which is a big right. hit the past couple of years. I never and saw that. Bruce Almighty yep. and mm. uh, things like this. So this is interesting to me to see all these depictions of God um, and to see what a culture who doesn't even believe in God right. thinks about him. And what is more interesting, what they think he thinks about humans. Yeah, that's really interesting. So unpack that a little bit. Well, it's uh, there's a lot of different... Um, uh, versions or images of God that I've seen, but there are some consistencies in that I see one of two play out typically. Sure. And it's it's one that actually the church has struggled with in wrestling sure. for a while, but it's one that's either totally just hippie, loving, sure. let's yeah. just all love each other, you know, the world would be better if we could all just, you know, sing kumbaya and hug each other, or God's just a complete jerk. And you're actually supposed to hate God very often. Right. Character. Mm -hmm. He's just a jerk. He's vindictive. He's mean. He's pernicious. And um, I think that shows the two different desires we want to have about God, especially from an uninformed society, or at least a society who doesn't even believe in him. I think we are, we, we have a desire that there is something else and he just likes us. Right. And, and the, to a degree, he does. God is loving. Right. But but he just likes us and whatever we want to do is fine. He's just like a nice old guy, uh, a hippie who just wants everyone to be happy. He wants to smoke a little bit of something yes, yeah. and just have everyone be nice. And I think that's a, a big desire for people mm -hmm. that they can be okay. That, right. That yes. they're good. Who they are is acceptable. And that is, you know, if there yeah. is a God, it's just everything's all right. Um, but then on the other hand, I think people who have experienced a lot of bitterness and anger um, and disappointment in life, 
have this frustration with the belief that there's a God because he let those things happen to them. Sure. And yeah. so God in their mind and their depictions would be a huge jerk who just sure. wants yeah. to see people suffer and laugh at people's pain, who has all this control in the world and does nothing to help the world. Um, and ultimately uh, is just kind of this big, again, jerk. There are other words sure, I yeah, can use. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, this is a family podcast-ish. Yeah. <laughs> jerk. Uh, yes. Uh, so it's interesting to see that these two really um, huge extremes when sure. it comes to God. Uh, you have the, the total nice hippie loving. Right. You have the total just total jerk. <laughs> it's interesting. There's, there's meanie language. There's very few nuanced understanding of who God is. Sure. It seems to live in the what's, extremes um, in the culture. What's a what's a good example of the hippy dippy God and the jerk God? Oh, okay. Um, well, the jerk God, Family Guy. Okay, so okay. family, and I know he's been satirical and tongue in cheek, but Family sure. Guy's had this running gag in their um, in their show for years, and it's God, and he's just this self centered, mean, selfish um, guy who just messes with people or doesn't have time for people. Sure. To, and and I think it's interesting that yes, it's a joke, but there is a bit of truth, and that is how some people very. And the reason it's funny is that's how a lot right. of people view God. It's just this right. kind of jerk who doesn't care about you, and he's even seen as an absent father in a few right. episodes, yeah. and um, someone who doesn't care. And when he does, you know, he sends that lightning just to screw with people's lives and have <laughs> yeah. fun. Um, so that is one that comes to mind as the God who is um, who is just a total jerk. Right. Um, and then the hippie uh, on that side. There's a movie. Oh, I'm gonna forget it now. I'll look it up and, and yell. I'm thinking later. of one, and I'm wondering if it's the same. You, one you're you tell me what's your dogma? Yes, yes. Okay, for yes, like Kevin Smith's version of God is this is is a is a, is a woman, but also just someone who is just dances around wherever she is, and and you know. But boops people on the nose, <laughs> yeah. and then and makes things. And very idea of genie. Very <laughs> and, and doesn't, but and but is also kind of powerless against evil. Yeah, it's an impotent God. Yes, hmm. so it's, it's one that makes us feel good about ourselves, but also doesn't do anything because again, it's the whole you know, if God is all is good, how can He be powerful? And there's evil, yeah. mm -hmm. and if there's you know He's powerful, how can He be good? No, I think that that's. Uh, you do do you have thoughts, uh, Nathan A, on this? Mm, well, basically, like when you put it down all like that, Nathan, it basically sounds like the way we try so hard to depict God or defend the media in general, it's just, it feels like it's a very therapeutic process for us. Mm -hmm. So it's like, we kind of need it to justify our actions or our circumstances where it's like, oh, well, my life is kind of crappy. Well, then of course God must be a jerk God. So like, otherwise, yeah. otherwise all this stuff would have happened to me. So of course I'm going to depict God like this in my media then because things are so horrible <laughs> for me or like on the other side of the spectrum where it's like, okay, my life hasn't been so bad or I can see all these great and wonderful things, but I still can't really explain the presence of evil in the world. So I guess God, while he may lovely, love me, may not be able to do much about it. So I guess mm. I'll depict God like this then. So it's like their way, their way of trying to converse with God or at least trying to converse with other people about God to explain why if God is God, why why is this world the way it is then? Yeah, no, I think it's really interesting. I think what's interesting about this era of, of you know, in modern world where we depict God in art that seems is interesting to me and is different from previous eras is you had initially you had people depicting God in art from a state of, you know, we're looking at the world around us mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, and we believe that there is some god some force you know controlling lives and based on what we see in the world around us that's how we we're going to depict god so uh -huh. you know you had the mesopotamian cultures who lived 
in horrible geography where weather was like kicking their butts all the time. Right. Their right. versions of the gods were these chaotic beings who were fighting each other all the right, time. Right, right. Then you had, of course, Egypt, which, you know, they lived by the Nile and everything was really stable and their culture well, didn't so change. Well, someone should tell them the truth finally then. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and so uh, they, uh, and so their picture of God was very stable and very orderly and very consistent. Hmm. And so we often, we look at the world around us, we say, okay, there's a God who is ordering this. So what does our world tell us about that God? So you had the art and creative. Then of course you had Christianity, which, you know, brought in what it uh, put forward. And I believe is true, but it put forward as divine revelation about, okay, here's what God is like. And so depictions of God and depictions, they stopped depicting God as often, but depictions of God became issues of, okay, how am I wrestling with what the Bible says about God? Interesting. Mm-hmm. And so it became less about observing the world around us and became more about, okay, what do I deal with how God is, you know, what it says about God. So, okay, the you know, Sistine Chapel, it says, okay, you know, it says that God is our father. He is, you know, any creator. And so, okay, what does that look like to me? Mm-hmm. Then of course you have the postmodern era, which is we don't actually trust the authority telling us about God anymore mm-hmm. because we don't really trust authorities anymore. You know, the mm-hmm. hypermodern times by uh, Gillis Litovetsky, who I've talked about before, you know, he talked about the you know, postmodernism being a crisis of authority. And also we had Liz Wilkinson on uh, to talk about postmodernism and the crisis of authority. It's like, okay, we don't believe what people say about, you know, uh, so about, you know, authority saying things about us anymore. So now we're sort of backwards saying, okay, what do our lives tell us about what God is like? And so it becomes, you know, we have issues with our dad. And so then we say, okay, if, you know, because God, because it, so if we have those issues with our dad and we have those issues with uh, even the church, how the church has treated us, we're going to say, that's what God is like. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, again, you have the family guy who's the uh, God, who is the, you know, uh, sadistic God. But then also, of course, you have this issue of um, the, the, the trying to create a kind God which I think is interesting. So you have the the uh, Bruce Almighty God, yeah. Which is that you have somebody who's an authority, but he's 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 kind, he's gentle, he's um, it's a little more nuanced. He's a little bit more nuanced. And I believe that Bruce Almighty was actually written by people of faith who might have been informed, yes, by a more what I would call realistic, realistic. view of God that has more nuance in it, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think anyway. You know, so there's a lot of again, you have a lot of the depictions which are. Um, you know, okay, if God is how, you know, um, uh, how he's described in the Bible. So you have these whole things, you have a Richard Dawkins kind of view, which is that, okay, the God of the Bible is a horrible person. So if you have, if you're depicting God as he is in the Bible, he's a horrible person. There's a comic book series that came out recently called Second Coming. Oh, interesting. <laughs> which was really about, which is, it's, it's a fascinating book because it's about, um, saying God sent Jesus to earth, this God is this mean God, and then Jesus is the hippie person, the lovey-dovey. Oh, person. so you have so these two polar, <laughs> polar opposites. Right, so you have both of those in one thing. So you have the the mean God who wants Jesus to be sort of like a, a, a Hercules type, mm. and Jesus is like too nice, so he won't do that. And so he ends up getting killed. And then he comes, he and then he comes back, and God is like, wow, you're disappointing me, son. And then he, then he meets, then years later in the 21st century, there's like a character, Superman. And he's like, that's what I wanted to be more like. I wanted to be beating up criminals and bad guys. Mm. And so he sends Jesus down to go get um, get some get some wisdom from the Superman archetype character. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus ends up trying to like change how the Superman character does things. So it becomes this really interesting. So that's a depiction of like how do we get these two sides of God 
to um, to interact with each other. Well, uh, it's interesting, and I want to play off of what both of you said. We talk a lot. I love about, it when you do that <laughs> because you both said really interesting things that that meshed in this really interesting way in my head. We'll see if it's interesting. Um, we'll be the judge. But um, one, we talk about a lot about the postmodernism kind of ushered God out, right? Right. Mm -hmm. in, in, at least, but I we say that often, but I do want to clarify that it didn't usher in just straight up atheism. In fact, no, 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 most no. people are not atheists. No, no, God, no. Like God. the grand majority of people in the world, even in the West, are not atheists. That's a very small minority of yeah. people. Mm -hmm. What we did is we ushered out a definition of God. Ah, that's an excellent mm. And so we stopped defining art, we stopped defining morality, and we stopped defining God. Because we previously said, this is who God is. He's revealed yes. in scripture, this is who God is. And we said, no, I'm saying culture. I said, yeah. no, we don't want to define God like that. And so now what you find, I, I live in LA, and this is not a a joke other than LA for years, almost a decade. And it's not a joke that most of you talk to when you get into these conversations and when you're on set for hours yeah. a day, you have these. Um, you talk to people about God and almost none of them, I mean, some of them here or there would just be like, I'm a straight up atheist. Right. Um, that was always kind of an anomaly. I always enjoyed finding that. And talking <laughs> yeah, about yeah. Most of them would say, yeah, there's probably something out there. Yeah. yeah, you know, I'm kind of more spiritual than I'm religious, yep, yep. which is interesting because this whole move towards your truth, I'm more spiritual than religious, is this move towards, I, I need to believe in something else. I can't believe that we're just, you know, here out of a vacuum, mm -hmm. that uh, we just exist. I need my, my soul, my mind needs to believe there's something else that was created that's something, but I don't, I want to define it. I yes, want to define yeah. what it is and what it wants from me. Mm -hmm. right. And that's a very mm -hmm. convenient um, mm. way to live, getting both the benefits of believing there's something more. Maybe there's you know all the benefits of purpose and meaning and someone caring about you behind the universe while not having to uh, orient your life to anything right. that feels constricting. And so we have this movement now of I'm spiritual but not religious because we don't want to be told what to do. And we'd rather define God typically yeah. in our own image, which is what mm, you yeah. see very often happen in these um, TV shows and movies and books. And and like you said, Nathan, it seems that these depictions that we brought up are very much so out of our own uh, psyches, desires, fears, whatever it might be. And um, what's interesting to me about Jesus, I read a, a great book by Okay, here's Wright. the one thing that Nathan finds interesting about Jesus. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> one thing. <laughs> Yeah. Um, is a, a book uh, by N.T. Wright. I think it was called, um, I think it was called Just Jesus, maybe, but it was all the historical. Uh, and Simply kind of, Christian, maybe? Simply Jesus, maybe. Yeah, maybe one of those. But it was about what he meant when he came, when he said, yes, I am God. And what is interesting is, um, you had the religious people who had this view of God, you had the, yeah. you had the Roman state who had this view of God, and Jesus didn't look like anything that right. anyone was expecting or thought God would look. And that's one of the reasons I actually um, think it's more reliable than other maybe uh, worldviews is because he didn't come looking like all of the Roman or Greek gods right. with mm -hmm. a sword in his hand, um, ready to kill. And, and this, he came in a manger. Right. And he, he didn't take up an earthly crown and live in a palace. He walked around in dusty streets and hung out with homeless people and sick right. people, um, prostitutes. And so he didn't look like what anybody who was making up a God at that time right. would ever write a God to look like, which is why it's so compelling when I see Jesus, I say, this is a nuanced, different view of God than I would have made up than any yeah. human would have made up. And that's what's interesting is even today, looking at all these depictions of God, they seem to be like you pointed out, Nathan, in 
in the image of ourselves. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jesus will always be outside of our comfort zone, not even comfort zone, but outside of the definition we could come up with because he's, God is totally unique from what we could make ourselves. Because mm-hmm. part of it, when we try to define God ourselves, part of it is that we're trying to go our way to make God, our version of God and ergo ourselves look good. But Jesus, again, like he was not trying to make himself look good. He put himself in the lowest mm-hmm. situation possible yeah. to save all of us because he's putting us ahead of him. He knew who he was and he knew that he wanted to save us. Whereas opposed to us, we don't know who we are and we're trying so hard to define who God is in order to save ourselves. And so mm. we're trying to like paint the best picture of God, ergo ourselves, in order to save ourselves, but it doesn't wind up working. Yeah, mm. unpack that a little bit more. Mm. Let's see. Well, how do I even get on this train of thought? That I had a thought earlier that you were saying that led me to this. Now I don't even remember what the thought earlier was. <laughs> it's basically that it seems like a lot of this, uh, I not, might not even unpack this, but basically the thought I had was, it seems like a lot of reality is just, or a lot of art is just trying so hard to define the reality that we see in front of us. Yes. And so, like you said earlier, Joe, a lot, like a lot of earlier myths, it's like looking at nature around us. And then we make our art based on that and defining our gods based on that. And then in Christianity, we're looking at the Bible. We're looking at the reality that gives us and making art based around that. But then with the advent of postmodernism and like leveling the playing field with all these ideas, we have no reality to look to beyond ourselves. Yeah. Like our self, our mm. individual person is literally the only reality we have. Yeah. And we're not even sure of that. We're not even sure if that's the right reality either. And so we're trying so hard to paint this reality, our individuality, our personas as the best possible thing in order to sort of justify our own existence. So when mm. we try to yeah. make our God, which is the best version of ourselves or worst version of ourselves, of ourselves we could imagine, we had to paint them like this sort of way in order to justify ourselves or in order to give us some sort of anchor to put our identities, our realities to, because we don't really have our sense of reality beyond God. That's a really interesting point because one thing we have not talked yet about in terms of depictions of God is Marvel movies. Oh, which interesting. Have depictions of gods, which they sort of try to say, eh, not exactly kind gods. Demi gods. Yeah. Yeah. But they, the, the last Thor movie essentially does sort of what you were talking about and what we were all talking about, which is it's, it de-glamorizes the god figure, which is Odin. He's like, mm-hmm. again, he represents, again, he's a god figure that represents tradition. Tradition! Authority. Yes. And all our culture, our culture. This is all based, based, I mean, it's very marvelized, but it's based yeah. in Norse mythology. And yeah. and so when you have the, the head god figure, you're watching these artists not really deal with a relationship with God, yeah. but deal with their relationship with their uh, with their authority figures, their, their parents, their culture, yes. and things like that but also infused with that desire for transcendence. Mm-hmm. But what they do throughout the story is, is, is de-glamorize Odin uh, um, uh, or systematically, yep, yep. where he is not worthy of the honor that, he's, that we ascribe to him. Yeah. And then at he's the very, fallible guy. He's a, yeah. And then at the, so it's like, okay, just like, again, postmodernism, the lesson is you can't trust authority. And mm-hmm. so that's, it's reflecting our lack of being able to trust authority. And then at the very end, the conclusion to Odin's arc is to come at a dream to Thor and tell Thor that, you know, uh, that- You're God now. Yes. He says, you know, cause Thor says, I'm not as strong as you. And Odin says, no, you're stronger. Interesting. And so the God character that's been deglamorized now puts the power in the hands of the viewer. The protagonist. The protagonist. Who, which is us. Which is us. Yeah. And says, no, you, I'm going to give you the Godhood. Mm-hmm. And all the, the stuff I used to have, the authority, the moral weight, it now is yours. Now, see, there's something else. The power I, is yours. <laughs> so the result of post-Narianism is that we all become gods. 
Yes. Exactly. Yes. Or at least, and this is what I was thinking about earlier with the the more on the one side of the hippie God. Yes. Everything is great. I think there's a deep intrinsic desire in humans to be accepted. Yes. To say that yes. you are 100%. good. You, I love you. I mean, the first thing we we lo- when we're born, the first thing we do is we reach to our mothers yes. instinctively because we yeah. need to know that we are lovable, we are good, who we are is worthy of being loved. And and uh, many pastors have talked on this, especially Tim Keller yeah. in New York City, and he has great, great. I'm writing something about this right now, so this is all very fresh. Um, but it's interesting that that the hippie god is essentially there not to reflect reality, but to mm. uh, any God we've been revealed. But I think people make up this either hippie God or kind of this um, ambiguous God mm-hmm. that doesn't really exist to say, I approve of you, whatever you are. Yes. I just like you. Mm-hmm. Yes. You're great. And that's when I, the only positives I see, um, positive depictions of God I see is that because yeah. I think there's a deep intrinsic need that we have as humans to have someone, especially I, I think it's ultimately God, yeah. say, I like you, you are good. And th- this is a good thing, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's um, where our identity is literally found. I mean, Jesus's ministry literally starts with God opening up, the he- opening up the heavens and saying, this is my son. I love him. Like, that's literally how it began. And because Jesus knew who he was, he knew what he had to do and who he's doing it for and why. But we don't want to face the God who says, you are loved, but you need help and you have yep. messed up. Mm. And that's when I mean, we have to face that that's when we start seeing depictions of the jerk God mm-hmm. who tells us what we're wrong, that we're not doing it right, or is just me. Well, see, this is fascinating to me because um, the wrathful God has been a very popular God yes. throughout most of human history. So now yes. the hands of an angry God. Yep. Yes, exactly. No, it's like even, you know, in, in pre-Christian eras and, and even in Christian eras, the idea that, you know, God is an angry God or can be an angry God was seen as a positive thing. I mean, look yeah. at Zeus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And now whenever we see the angry God, we never show it in a positive way. And I think interesting. it's interesting. Now there's a couple of interesting things about that. And I think that, you know, and, and people can say, but I think the thing is the people making the majority of our pop culture today or our culture are people who are fairly powerful and affluent. Again, in order to make a movie, mm. you have to have a certain degree of money, have a certain degree of connections. Yeah. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. if you have that kind of power, you are not the one typically who needs some a wrathful God to save you. You're the one who a wrathful God is going to save other people from. Oh, interesting. <laughs> and so As we've seen with the Me Too movement. Exactly. Yep. Which yep. again is, you had, again, and you know, it's, it, you again, Hollywood movies, it's like, mm. you know, you know, Harvey Weinstein doesn't want a wrathful God because a wrathful God is going to come after him. Yes. Mm. And so I think that I think it'll be interesting as more, I wonder again, as more, you know, um, women minorities actually start making movies. I'm wondering if we're going to get a return of wrathful God characters. Mm. Interesting. Well, you see, and this is interesting too, that we talk about these, uh, these polar opposite depictions right. of God we see. Yeah. This happens in the church too, right? Oh, it's 100%. Absolutely. You have, I, I grew up and, I, and I'm seeing this, I have seen two vastly different versions of the actual church of believers, which oh, is, yes. I've been to churches where if, if women wear jeans, it's, it's <laughs> evil. If you Jesus. take a sip of alcohol, it's, I mean, this moralistic, angry, I mean, I hesitate to say it, but I hesitated. Jerk. <laughs> <laughs> but he was a jerk. He just had yeah. all these moral demands. And if you failed, 
you know, I, I, yeah, he's just, he's terrible. And he's yeah. more, and you see this in the moral majority, everything yeah. is moralistic. Yep. Don't dance, don't uh, sing, what, whatever it is. Um, and then on the other side, you have the progressive church now, which is everything's okay. Yeah. What a, you, I, it's just good. It doesn't matter. You're just great. Yeah. It doesn't, there is, you're just great. But no, you're great. And so, you, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so you have these two really um, polarized places, even in the church house, people see God. Oh, so that's which is, interesting. He's a jerk or he's just, and so even, not even in secular culture, even within the religious context, within the church context, you have very polarized views of God. So that means that the art, in a sense, we were sort of criticizing the way the art was doing, but the art is actually reflecting the reality of how we see the church operating. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. I, think, I think it's just a natural proclivity of humans. Okay. Yeah, this oh, yeah. Is, it's both. And it's the grace versus law thing. Yeah. And what humans are really bad at is holding things in tension and nuance. We oh, drift yeah. we towards extremes. Oh, yeah. and so, we hate sex. <laughs> and we're gonna drift towards extremes yes. in our views of God. Yep. So, you know, that's, and that's the thing. Like, one of the things I do like, so, you know, it's easy sort of as a Christian myself to look at, look, this is what God is like. And I really hate these depictions of God that you're doing because they're not right. They're not mm. what God is actually like. But I'm going to say the positive thing. The thing is, this the, it is a positive thing that artists, again, this is what artists do. They take reality. They take what observe of reality. Mm-hmm. And then they find a way to work it out and express it in yep. a way that can be beautiful yep. and can express what, how we feel mm. and the way that we feel the world. So again, the fact that we live in a world where it feels like you know God is kind of out to get us. Yeah. You know, and it's like, and that's how it feels. Now that may be a wrong way to see it, but the fact that somebody's able to take that art and portray it and say, this is how it feels is a very valuable thing yes. in society. Cause that uh, gets a conversation going. Cause God, again, isn't afraid if we come to him with our fears and worries about him, that just means we're start- he's starting a conversation with you. We're actually starting mm. to talk to him. Yeah. Why don't you talk to each other? Just give it a try. Which is, again, it's like- My mom said, uh, real quickly, of course. This. Um, she always said this and I loved it. God doesn't mind when you wrestle with him because he's in contact with you. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. The the thing, however, is, and this is something that, you know, again, I do want to push on sort of the, you know, secular artists, but also even more like if, you know, people who are religious and do believe, you know, to some degree um, in God is there is this desire, again, to make God in our image. Yes. And the thing is, mm-hmm. if you believe that God is real, um, you can't do that. Even if you believe, you can try. You can try, but you, but well, you're not allowed. You're not supposed to do that, and you're not assenting to reality. <laughs> because actually yeah. is. anytime that you're in a relationship with a real, with an actual person, you cannot have a real relationship with them if you're just projecting your own stuff onto them. If you're not listening to what they say about them. And let me tell you, when you are married, which is a, which is an image of yeah. man and God, we that, see this. Um, the scripture says that that, yep. that put me in image. You both of you will try to turn each other to your yep. own image. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you now, it does not work. Mm. Yeah, you you have to appreciate the other for who they are. Mm. Yeah, the only way for you to, um, you know, the the only way for you to project your image onto a person is not to be in a relationship with them. Mm. And so that's the thing is that if, and again, mm. if you as an artist insist upon making God in your image, that will prevent you from having a relationship with him. It'll also prevent you from making true. And true art. Yeah. Yes. So if you want to be an artist and you want to make good art, we must reflect reality. Yes. I know that a lot of postmoderns will have uh, <laughs> some, some words. But what is reality? Yeah. <laughs> but to do that, we have to have a realistic view of God. Yeah. yeah. No. So, yeah. And I think part of that realism is acknowledging that, yes, this is what I see from my perspective. This is part of my reality. 
But also I'm going to acknowledge that maybe reality is more than that as well. And maybe I will understand that someday or maybe I won't, but that's okay. Mm. But I'm just going to humbly just express this, but acknowledge the fact that that's not the only thing. Yeah, I love it. No, I agree. So I would say for, for, you know, for again, people, if you don't believe that God is real, but you want it to be art about God, what I want you to see and do is, you know, continue to wrestle with this idea of God yes. and just, do, just wrestle with this because it's an amazing topic that can actually help you reflect reality more and to search that out, just really be honest about that. Mm-hmm. For people who are believers, I want, I would like to see you wrestle with that tension between your own creativity yeah. and with um, to say, yeah, this is how God feels like to me, but also wrestling with who God actually says he is. And be open with the possibility that God is different from you. Exactly. Yeah. And so, so what are some of the, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, okay, see, and different from, to our favorite subject. Yeah, but yeah, almost, almost, soon, <laughs> soon. Yeah. Um, but also um, different from what you want him to be and make sure that you're saying, doing it, mm. what he says about himself as um, ultimately what's most true. Amen. Yeah, okay. Amen. Cool. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Appreciate it. Okay. So anyway, you were going to say. Well, we're now I would, we talked a lot about this, but I would love to hear some of our favorite and least favorite depictions of God mm. in media, literature, and everything else. Yes. Let's do it. Which means we're moving to our segment called Blesses and Curses. <laughs> Audience clapping. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You, you have lots of fun with that. Wild audience. <laughs> Even now, like while I'm speaking, exactly. <laughs> just drown us out with yeah. your applause. Don't actually drown us out. <laughs> nope. You always look at this. Okay. Uh, I'll go first because I've been excited about this. I was thinking last night, like, okay, what are some depictions of God media? And then all of a sudden, I can't. There's tons. So like, much. We're still obsessed with God. We're obsessed. With we might have like tried to usher him out of uh, the public square, but it's kind of like an X. So you're still obsessed with some stuff. <laughs> we cannot get enough of God in our media. That is now so, my favorite metaphor for <laughs> the secular age. <laughs> God is the X. Exactly. We left what we missed. Exactly. Yeah. That's so the X is still around. holding up his picture. Yeah, uh, exactly. Pictures yeah. everywhere. He's the X that you live with, but instead of moving out away from the X, he's put like a like a fake wall in between. Yeah. Guys. <laughs> and we still use his Netflix password. Yeah. <laughs> Like, oh, this is like oh, it's a sitcom i'm crossing a line making a line here lord you stay on your side of the room i'll stay on my side of the room okay but what they didn't know is he owned the entire exactly. oh, he made it he's a carpenter okay, so, <laughs> all right these are my okay i'm gonna go ahead and be the most cliche guy ever but say i think this is probably outside of scripture the greatest depiction of god in literature and media that i've seen and I'm a little partial, but uh, we, and I guess all but of us- But you're might, also correct. <laughs> we all might be a little partial, yeah. um, us being the, uh, I'm coining the phrase, new inklings. Um, ah, yes. But uh, in, the, in the Chronicles of Narnia, written by C.S. Lewis, the great theologian, philosopher, and storyteller, he wrote a character called Aslan, mm. who is a direct allegory for God. Never and, heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> Aslan was a lion. Um, and he is portrayed so beautifully. Yeah. And the reason I love Aslan is not because Aslan told me who God was. The more I understand God, the more I see him reflected mm. in C.S. Lewis's character, uh, that he, the character that C.S. Lewis created of Aslan. Aslan is, in his nature, he's a lion. He's powerful in charge. Mm. He breathes things to life. I love that image. Yeah. Um, and he can, he can take on the biggest army with his, with his strength 
And he's also gentle enough to love, hold, protect a child. And I don't want to give anything away, but in the Lion, Witch, Wardrobe, he is uh, loving and serving enough to even as a lion lay down his life for um, a sinful kid. Uh, and so it's just a beautiful depiction of, of God to me. It also gives him personality. Yeah. And he laughs, he roars, he is kind, he is good, but there's a line in there. Um, and it's been quoted a million times about Aslan and how, oh, he's so kind and good. And oh, this speaks yeah. straight to the, um, to uh, what we were talking about, the, the polarity between yeah. the jerk God and the, and the gentle but weak God. And there's a line, so they're t- I can't remember exactly the context. I need to go back and talk to Michael Ward about this. <laughs> um, oh, yes. But uh, someone, they're talking about how gentle and good he is. He goes, yes, he's a good lion, um, but he's not tame, but he's good. Yeah. And so in meaning he perfectly balances this strength yeah. and goodness and gentleness and love while being totally in charge and in control at the same time. And that is an interesting nuance, God, to me. And C.S. Lewis paints that so perfectly in the Chronicles Narnia. Specifically, if you want to watch it, specifically, Liam Neeson did fine, but <laughs> in the BBC, the BBC version. Yes. yes. So I grew up on those, so I'm a little nostalgic, but. So I, I want to I wanna interject here, please, um, which is that that's exactly it. You know, as a, as a kid growing up as a Christian, um, the thing is that there's a lot of things you're taught about God hmm. that He is all good, all powerful, um, and all loving and gentle. And there are not a lot of depictions in the world. You see how all those things can yes. pull together in one person, coalesce into it. And because figure, I, you know, my parents had that artistic depiction to show me. I now understood. I could understand. Oh yes, this is how someone could be both powerful and even dangerous, but gentle. Yes. And, you know, I, oh, that's great. My, you know, again, my first theological discussion with my parents was like, how, how can Aslan be both safe, uh, not safe, but good. Mm. And, you know, and, and they discussed, we discussed that. And that was something that I could then understand because of this depiction of, of Aslan. Yeah. And so that's, I think, and that's, again, that's something that because Christians theoretically have a relationship with God, that is something that they can have access to to then show what that's actually like in their the world. world. Yeah. Well, and that brings me to my next bless. And this is a controversial one. It was yeah. at least in the circles of uh, the yeah. religious circles. Uh-huh. Um, the shack. I read the shack. Okay, sure. When I was, when I had just left um, home, I was yeah. in New York all by myself into this crazy world of, of entertainment and a big city. And I was starting to kind of step out into my own, you know, step past my parents' understanding, my family's understanding, past my cultural understanding, yeah. church, into my own understanding of God. And I read the shack then. And it, what it did is it gave me a, I don't know how to say this, more perspective and sure. a more closer connection with a view of God. It sure. gave him a personal view. It gave him um, something I hadn't considered or thought about um, God in sure. a long time. God is depicted as multiple characters in this book. And a lot of people had problems with it. It's very controversial because sure. God is depicted as a uh, a woman and and this and that. Sure. And I, I think people who get hung up in the weeds are missing the point um, that uh, of what the book was trying to convey, which is show um, the different aspects of our one God. Sure. Um, and so I think it's a beautiful little book. Um, so I, I really love it. I encourage you to go. I wasn't as big a fan of the movie. Um, sure. I, I've never read the book. I've only seen the movie. And- the, the book. Yeah. So the, I would say that you did the wrong thing there. <laughs> I, I, that wouldn't be the first time. The book is simple, but it's beautiful. And it really um, kind of ushered me into this new understanding of God sure. from a very personal level that I really loved. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I also read Dinner with a Perfect Stranger recently. It's like, I don't know, 60, 70 pages book or it's not a guy who sits down and has dinner with God. It's 
I'd, I'd suggest if you are interested in faith things and you haven't experienced, um, done a lot of research into things of faith or Christianity and things like that, this is a great book to introduce yourself to these yeah. things. It's literally a man sitting down with Jesus and asking him questions. Yeah. Mm. And so I, and so if you've ever had that thought or wanted to know more, this is a great little book to do. It's simple. It's easily digestible, but it's great. So yeah. I suggest if you aren't a believer, um, even if you don't plan, plan on becoming one, but want to understand a little more of um, the world of faith, uh, this is a great little book. Was there another story that kind of did that, but they were on a plane? What was it like? It's, there, there's a, they did movies. The you know, perfect stranger. And another perfect stranger. Oh, okay. and then the, the the sequel was on a plane. Oh, okay. just like you know, I it's like you know, Die Hard on plane. Jesus on a plane. Exactly. Die Hard on bus. <laughs> exactly. But no, the books are great, or the, the, at least the one I read. The book was great. Is simple, but yeah. So I suggest that, to, especially if you um, aren't versed and haven't entered this world of yeah. faith um, yet, we'll get you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then my curse. We've already mentioned a few times Family Guy. Listen, I'm a big fan of uh, of, course, of yeah. crude, crass cartoons. Even Family Guy. Family Guy's hilarious. Laugh at it. Their picture of God is uh, what I like to say is willfully obtuse. What did you call me? Obtuse. You're being obtuse. Two months in the hole. Or am I being obtuse? No, nope, now you're being acute. Sure. Um, yeah. It is. And listen, he he likes the Seth MacFarlane likes to cross the lines and, and of course, tick everybody of course. off, which I totally get. And um, and we enjoy that. Yeah, we enjoy that. And he's and he's pretty fair game. We're thirty something guys. Yeah, we, we like that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but I I would just like to say, hey Seth, if you're listening, um, it is funny your view of God, but it it it's funny when I watch it, um, and I see this depiction of God, it doesn't even offend me. And I'll tell you why, because it's so not like God. Yeah. It's like. You're, it's like me making fun of one of my friends for an aspect that's not even a part of who they are. It's, it's like, what was it? The, this is the end movie where it's like, where it's like, wait, this character is nothing like this. It's, yeah, it's like making yeah. fun of your tall friend for being short. Yeah, right? exactly. And it's yes. like, and it's like, okay. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. it doesn't even offend me, but I will say it is just a dumb view of sure. God. So that's yeah. why it's my curse. It is a dumb, uninformed, willfully obtuse view of God. Sure. Uh, so Seth MacFarlane, you're on... Uh, You're on notice. No, no, no. <laughs> but if you want to come on, you are such a talented person. You could do a better, more interesting um, yes. view of God. Yes. You, you, you're better than that. Yes. Than there that. we go. There it is. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Those are mine. Those are my blessings and curses. Cur That's cool. How about you, Nathan? Uh, for me, it would be basically a mix between the, the Simpsons and Futurama or just like Ooh, Matt Groening okay. stuff yes. in general, because they have such very interesting depictions of God and religion in general on both shows. And I think part of it is because kind of like what you were saying earlier, Nathan, about Aslan, is that they, they with the humor applied to it, it gives God and religion so much more personality than you would see in other depictions. And with that personality, I feel like there's just a lot more realism to it. Because the thing about humor is that humor sees the reality, it sees the tension in reality, and it says shying away from that tension and has fun with that. And so yeah. you see that again with like depictions of God in the church where it's like, Okay, yeah, they'll poke fun at like some failings of the church or religion here, or like some misconceptions about God there, or like some things that don't sure. make sense about God. But at the same time, you know, they're coming from a place of honest realism and like respect for like God. They're not mocking him, they're just mm. having fun with him. Because, like, one interesting de detail about, like, say, The Simpsons is, for instance, is that in most, if not all depictions of God where he physically shows up or like shows up in someone's dream, He's the only character that has five fingers. Everyone else has four fingers. So it's like, again, they're like, wow. that's fascinating. Again, they're like putting God on another level. And like, even though they're having all these jokes, like with him or around him or at his expense, they're still like putting, like, they still put him in some sort of regard. 
Oh, that's fascinating. We well, see that's a great example of using art to depict sort of the moreness of God. Like yeah. you know, C.S. Lewis would talk about, like you know, uh, and and you know, with that you know, the world is created is is you know, God is more real than mm. we are, and showing Him as the one with five fingers, everyone else is four, is a way of saying God is more real. Interesting. That's mm-hmm. great. No, wait. What's the book you were reading? You were telling me about earlier. Uh, theology according to the Simpsons, so or the you, Gospel according to the Simpsons. Would you would you bless it? Yeah. So now we're blessing uh, gospel according to the Simpsons book. Now, real quick, and what was remind me because I remember this episode, but not very well. The Futurama episode when Fry is floating through space. Oh, Bender. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bender is floating through space, <laughs> and he meets God. What is what? What was he depicted like? What was the kind of the the scene? Uh, it was like he goes into this. A, uh, forget, like it's a space cloud or whatever. And it's, it was like speaking in binary or whatever. Yeah. And I forget exactly how Bender explains it, but it's like, oh no, you're not actually God. You're like a satellite that collided with God. And so it's so like it, this depiction of God is like, he has a love for all things, but he's also very kind of robotic and stoic and like sees and is aware of everything, but also kind of isn't and so it's very much a depiction of if, if the whole thing remind me of like what you were explaining about the concept of open, of open theism where it's like god does have a lot of power but at the same time he doesn't or like he doesn't do as much as we think he would do he chooses to limit himself for the sake of free will yeah because there are interesting things that like you see in the dialogue between bender and this depiction of god where it's like bender's like so do you know what i'm going to do next and the god's like yes but what if i do something else then i don't and though, and then, <laughs> and yeah, stuff like that. And it is, I remember just being really fascinating. Yeah. It, it didn't seem to take a lot of like pot shots. It was yeah. just a unique image of God from, yeah. I, I don't believe believers. Yeah. But I thought it was in, at the very least very interesting. That yeah. Was a lot. Like they make room for the fact where it's like, okay, maybe there is a God. Maybe he does more than we think. Maybe he does less. Cause like one of the big takeaways from the episode is that he, he literally says the thing about being God is that you have to do not so much that people become overly reliant on you, but like just enough to make you think that that people question whether you've done anything at all. When you do things right, people won't be sure you've done anything at all. Because like Bender, up until that point in the episode, he was playing God with these other people, but they kind of, he kind of botched it all up and they all died. Either he was too, <laughs> like, like either he's trying too hard to help them and like they would like literally die from like him trying to help them, or he wouldn't like take a hands-off approach and let them figure things out themselves and they would just blow themselves up regardless anyway. So it's it like, like the conundrum of being God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so like this version of God's like, okay, you have to do something, but not so much that like you interfere with everything that's happening. You just kind of have to let people be people almost, but still like guide them in some sense. Well, this is really interesting because this is what um what's his face? Um I say what's his face now? I'm gonna be really embarrassed because I know what his face is now. Uh, <laughs> Tim Keller <laughs> said that um that and again I haven't double checked him, but he's Tim Keller, so I think he's probably correct on this. Um that modern secular philosophers today are are actually um not are 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 not as sympathetic to the theodicy argument, which is, you know, um if God is good and powerful, he wouldn't allow suffering. Because there is an acknowledgement in philosophy now that, well, if God is actually real, then he probably has reasons that we don't know of. Mm-hmm, yeah, quite. Mm-hmm. And so the thing is, philosophy has sort of actually moved in this direction. That's really interesting to see that actually art is moving in this direction. Mm-hmm. Where again, the more philosophical shows like Futurama are like, well, 
there are probably reasons that God might, you know, do things that we well, might not and like. And I like that there's even a little humility, even yes, if you guys yeah. believe that we they don't know everything about them. Bigger yeah. is essentially them asking questions about God. And yeah. there's a, I don't know, aspect. And that's not very often found. People you say, this is who he is or whatever, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Bringing their own, and it sound, and what I liked about this episode, what I talked about Futurama, there's a little humility. And yes, there's, they left it with a question mark. I don't know, but and what is again, That is a positive thing about a lot of the modern uh, yeah. art that's being made in pop mm-hmm. culture is a lot of it, not all of it, but a lot of it is humble. Some. Yes. Okay, some of it. Some <laughs> like, of it is humble. Like in, this is like postmodernism in a good sense where it's like, okay, we yes. don't have all the answers and that's a good thing, but let's not try and make up our own answers. Let's just like try and have right. a conversation mm. from this place of uh, from this understanding that we don't have all the answers. Yeah. There's a lot more that we out there that we don't understand. And instead of panicking about that, let's just lean into that and celebrate that and converse about that. So that leads me into sort of my, will be my blesses and curses. Okay. So Wait, I'm- Do you have anything to curse and just bless oh, yeah. this week? No, just bless. Nice. Just such a Nathan A yeah. thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm going to bless one thing and curse two things, mostly because you took a lot of my, what my, my, my blessings. Nice. Because I know he's always, always trying to grab my blessings. But Aslan is, is forever the big, the big bless. Mm-hmm. I will say I'm going to bless the depiction of God in Bruce and Evan Almighty yes. movies, mm-hmm. um, because that is another picture, I think, that it gives the closest idea of a God who is nuanced Mm. you know he has he again and he's he you don't ever for the most part see a wrathful god in in in, although he does do he's not weak he's not weak exactly he's you know when he has something his plan goes through like when he wants to have a plan his plan go through what he wants to benefit people it's going to happen yeah it's like you know you know when 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 bruce or evan try to get out of the will of god god's like you know god like (laughs) chuckles he's like there's literally a line in evan almighty where is he says hey god i have plans this doesn't fit into my plans and god laughs yeah (laughs) that's literally the verse man plans god laughs and so you know and so it does it's like someone who loves and is kind but also doesn't isn't a pushover because and you know again there's bad guys in evan almighty and they do get what's coming to them it's part of god's plan as well yeah so you know that is somebody again somebody who balances i didn't hate that movie everyone hated that movie. i, I liked, I evan, liked almighty. evan almighty i liked it too I thank too. you yeah, yeah. some people bless bruce and evan almighty for giving pictures of god who's not a pushover and is good who has a great interaction with uh the mm-hmm. character lauren graham plays and he and, he, and it's a great kind of look into free will versus his power yeah, versus yes. his allowance of things whatever and she's she's saying why didn't you answer my prayer yeah and he says now when you ask for yeah you want to be um a more loving person do you think i just make you more loving or do i give you opportunities to choose to be a loving person Mm -hmm. and i love that um the simple morgan freeman is just he plays oh yeah Um, no well i think that's actually i mean there's so many moments again in bruce almighty where you know again you have bruce and he's trying to make things right he's trying to answer everybody's prayers mm-hmm. and it shows that well you, you know there are certain prayers that contradict each other and you can't yeah. do that and also like he wants someone to love them him without taking away their free will mm-hmm. and you know he asks how do you do that god and god says you know um you know um if we, when you find an answer to that one let me know mm-hmm. and it's like it's like there it's like okay there's actual like the sympathy for god god becomes a tragic character because he can't make yeah. people love him mm-hmm. and so i think that that kind of stuff in there um, is is really amazing and has the best job of getting the nuanced picture of God that is in the scriptures that actually reflects God and just reflects a nuanced view of reality. Because that's another thing is that even if you don't, even if you don't believe that God is real, if you don't have a nuanced view of God, you don't have a nuanced view of reality. Exactly. Yes. And yeah. so I think God that, is reality. 
Yes, exactly. I mean, if you're, if you're premising God as God, something that exists, you're premising him as real and as a part of reality. Now, I'll say it's my two curses. I'll try to be close because we just love talking about God and pop culture. And so we, keep, we keep going on. So I'll say, I'm going to curse uh, two things I brought up. I'm going to curse second coming, mostly because the one that's about the God sending Jesus down and being disappointed in oh, him. Oh, right, right. Mostly because it's a very thin, caricatured, picture mm. of god and jesus again it's like the mean nasty old man god who just wants you know usually it's kind of cliche it is it's cliche it would have been interesting if it came out in 2000s it's like now as it comes out like yeah, last year it's like i don't know we're kind of over this they could sell up a new atheist conference right it's, yeah. it's it's but it's like no it's it's very it's very shallow but it also it tries to be like i mean you know, it does this whole thing with like jesus saying says like oh i hate seeing all these crosses everywhere because it reminds me of how i was killed it's like, it's like, look, you don't even have an education about the thing that you are critiquing. Mm-hmm. That's always in my, um, uh, Lou, who is our resident uh, church history expert. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's amazing how often they, they still use in every, and it's not about necessarily depicting God, but in every, I mean, every TV show, every movie, yeah. they still quote scripture. They yeah. still have a pastor. They still, whatever it might be, church is still church and god and religious things are still woven into everything yeah. i'm talking every TV oh absolutely show. marvel yeah. Um, no yeah uh what does captain america say oh uh, yeah yeah yeah. says um yeah there's only one god ma'am and i'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that yes yeah was still one of my favorite lines but you can't get away from it, but he, he what's also interesting is every time you know a mystery they use a, a church how wrong they get it yeah and you go in no one says that. No one yeah. dresses like that. Wait, is this a Catholic church? Is this right. is this Lutheran? Is this a what, what is going on? And the they thing, don't even do research into the thing they're depicting as an important uh, and story. If you're motivator. doing a critique, and if you're doing satire of something, and you show that you're ignorant of the thing you're critiquing and satiring, it's bad art, and it doesn't give you any credibility really to speak. It doesn't about. reflect reality. It doesn't reflect reality. If you want to criticize the church, there's plenty to criticize. Oh, you have a lot. We can you give you a list. You make things up. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Lots of material called yeah. Again, the Simpsons do yeah, that. But that's the thing is, if you don't actually think the thing is real, it gives you a freedom to, or like, or it's, if you think it's dismissible, it gives you a yes. freedom to not. Yeah, um, it, it gives you to not take it seriously enough to critique it well. So the other thing I'll say, I actually am going to cur- going to curse. The depiction of God in dogma. Okay. <laughs> the reason is, I think there's a lot of good satire of the church in okay. dogma. Um, I, you know, there I've critiqued it, but the the depiction of God as such a as this. I, first of all, first of all, the, the doing a, a picture of God as a white man. Uh, do, being a white man and doing a picture of God as a woman who doesn't speak, there's some problems. Yeah. Uh, being written and directed being by a woman who doesn't speak and is is really completely powerless against evil. Slightly uncomfortable. Yeah. But, <laughs> a little bit sexist uh, and heretical. Yes, exactly. Um, but it also is 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 there's is a very shallow. Um, depiction of God that doesn't actually challenge mm. anything about you. And it's like, we, there's an aspect of it's like, I want to make this character a woman and powerless so that I don't am not uncomfortable with a picture oh, of God. Wow. And it's, it's like, almost like the feminists were right that men like to diminish women so they can still feel powerful and in charge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and so, they go to God. Yes, exactly. It's like, and I think that, you know, again, I don't have. I like the, the the versions of God that even if I don't agree with them, that I think that they're interesting and are treat God as something worthy of grappling with. This is it something like I don't I want to do a picture of God that doesn't challenge me to be a different person. Because he even says mm. that. He says, I want yeah. I he says, 
I don't like beliefs. I like ideas. And, I think uh, and he says, and the reason he says it straight out, he has Chris Rock in there to say it because you can change an idea. You can't change a belief. Mm. And, and that is like, no, you don't want a God who you can have any kind of relationship with. Who tells you what to do. You want a God that you can tell the God what to do. You, you want... You want a friend with benefits. Yes, exactly. You want a friend with benefits. Exactly. You don't want a marriage. A divine you want a friend with benefits. Yes. You want a divine yes. friend with benefits. Wow, this is amazing to me. We got to do a podcast on that. Yeah. yeah. How many correlations? Anyway, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I think so. That would be my curse. Is mm-hmm. is, is black, any depiction of God that is close to reality is best, but also that takes him seriously is good. Mm-hmm. But anyone that it wants to dismiss him so you can create God and in a sense create reality in your mm. own image, that's bad. That's yeah. great. I think like it feels like the most nuanced depictions of God are ones that like acknowledge the power that He has, but also acknowledge the power that we as individuals have. Because kind of going back to what you were saying earlier about um, the Bruce Almighty conversation, where it's like, why, like, why would you answer my prayers? Maybe more loving God. Well, I'm just not going. And God's like, I'm just not going to fix it for you. I'm giving you opportunities so you, for you to do it yourself. So again, yeah. it's like, God, why won't you answer my questions? Well, I'm not just going to give you the answers. There's a whole journey that's laid out before you, and we can work this out together if you just let me. Just like work alongside me like wrestle with me be in contact yeah. with me converse with me i'm not just gonna spoil it all for you in one go we have to t- work this out together yeah amen amen so overthink god with us <laughs> all right with god um yeah. all right well awesome well this has been fun this has been a lot of fun episodes yes and before we end i want to real quick do a couple plugs Yes. Uh, if you enjoy this episode and liked hearing us talk about all the deep things and culture and and movies and books and God, uh, please head over to our Facebook group. We mm. have now hundreds of members on the Facebook group. We are posting memes and articles. We have daily conversations and discussions yep. and debates about all these fun big questions. It's called the Overthinkers. It's a private group on Facebook. Please find it. We'd love to have you. We're growing every day and we want you in our numbers. Um, also, if you want to get you touch, specifically, you, 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 you know what I'm talking <laughs> exactly, about. Yes. <laughs> um, and, uh, if you want to get in contact with us or learn a little more about your hosts or what we do, please go to the overthinkersjournal.com, uh, write us a note, let us know how wrong or right we were, mm. or if you have any ideas for an upcoming, uh, podcast uh, for a topic you'd like us to cover. Mm. Also, please leave a review. It helps us so much get the word out. We've been having so much fun doing this and we're just so amazed that you guys are here to enjoy this, um, uh, these conversations and yeah. this journey with us. We have uh, just a blast doing them. So please leave us a review if you would enjoy this podcast yeah. um, at all. And if you want to get in touch with me, you can go to nathanclarkson.me or find me on any of the social medias. Joseph? If you blah, 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 blah. <laughs> God came down and made me babble. Um, <laughs> so, uh, if you want to get in touch with me, you can get in touch with me on all the socials, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter. Um, also, you uh, also you can come in touch with my website, uh, josephholmstudios.com. Nathan, do you want people to get in touch with you? <laughs> uh, if anyone wants to find me, uh, tap your hands on the ground twice. Perfect. <laughs> I'm, not saying, I'm not saying it'll work, but <laughs> you want to find me. <laughs> you want to find me, that's what I want you to do. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> all right. And then the, the entire world will tap this <laughs> or all of our subscribers. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Let's be honest. It's slightly less than the whole world. <laughs> well, thank you very for much. Now. Anyway, yes, exactly. For now. Anyway, thank you very much those who did listen for listening to us. Thank you, Nathan, for being here. Also, thank you, Nathan, for being here. You're welcome. It's a blast. In my own part. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And remember, guys, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about. Mm